1: Under the Jews, a stumbling block. Under the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God.
0: Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin.
2: All right, we're going to pick back up in Daniel 7, obviously. We're going to read verses 9 through 14, and we're going to take a second look at the judgment of the principalities and powers. Judgment. All right, so we're going to look at those again. Some of the verses we're going to go through are similar, but I I think this one, I think this time around it's structured a little bit better. Um, then the last time we went through it, hopefully it'll make a little more sense to you and um, help you to grasp it a little bit more or maybe see it a little bit more, or it might help you reject it more. I mean, whatever is <laughs> whatever is good for you, that's what I'm here for. Right, Quinto? Yes. Yes. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's read verses 9 through 14. I beheld to the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as uh, burning fire. Now, the black Hebrew Israelites, who, who knows who they are? You may know what those are. I know I've talked about them in here. I know some of you have encountered them. Nobody knows what the black Hebrew Israelites are? I'm sure you do. Um, So they they are a racist group that believe they have some sort of superiority because they're black. And that um, in eternity, God's going to make all, it's not non-black people, all non-black and brown people, say it that way. So basically anyone who's white or classified as white. How do you get classified as white? I don't know. I mean, that's up to them. They, They get to make it up. So if they can't identify you as one of the 12 tribes that they just created out of their in their own mind, they took the 12 tribe of, tribes of Israel and they took each, each name of the tribe and they attached it to a skin color and a group of people. And so if they can identify you as being part of one of those tribes, just like Belgium did in Rwanda, like, oh, your, your nose is too big. You have to be a Hutu. You can't be a Tutsi. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. <laughs> And so now the black Hebrew Israelites look at you and they say, oh, no, you don't have the proper features to be part of Zebulun. So, uh, you know, you're either not one of the 12 tribes or, you, or, or in eternity, they're going to make people like me a slave. Now imagine that. You, you hate slavery and you wanted to fight slavery. So in eternity, you're going to reinstitute slavery. <laughs> That's, but that's, that's what they teach. That's what they believe. Anyways, the reason I bring that up is in verse 9, they try to prove that God is black because it says he has uh, hair. Uh, the hair of his head is like the pure wool. Like, see? Like a black man. <laughs> and so that's supposed to be a proof that God is black because his hair is like wool. And white men don't have hair that's like wool. Anyways. <laughs> Everybody's looking at Skylar's head. <laughs> now, his hair is more like like flowing cotton, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, if you encounter them, they're going to take you this. They're going to this. They're going to prove to you that God is black because his hair is as wool. Now, if, if God is black, are you... I mean, I don't know a single Christian who would say, well, "I'm not going to heaven if Jesus is black." So you're going to go to hell instead <laughs> because Jesus didn't, you know, didn't get the skin color you hoped he would have. <laughs> I take it back. I take back all my fidelity to Jesus. Send me to hell because you're black. Well, well, he's not black and he's not white. You know, there there was a a documentary once where this guy was walking around showing people. The, the painting, the European painting of Jesus, the, the, the man with the long flowing hair and, and uh, all that stuff and, and, uh, and the long beard and, and you know, that, that effeminate picture of Jesus. And when people didn't know what it was, he was making fun of them or who it was. And he's like, this is Jesus. Like, Well, that's not Jesus. That's just somebody's random painting of who they think Jesus looked like. You have no idea what Jesus looked like. If you're going to guess, first of all, he wouldn't be handsome if you're going to follow what the Bible says. It says he had a face that, that you wouldn't desire him because of his looks. And secondly, he would look like an Orthodox Jew from the Middle East. He wouldn't look like an Italian man with long hair or, and blue eyes, and he wouldn't like a, look like a, a black man from Ethiopia. Neither one, he's not going to be either one. So everybody's going to be disappointed when they get there. <laughs> Anyways, of that has anything to do with our lesson. It just popped in my head when I saw his hair was like wool. Thought you might like to know that. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. I beheld then, then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld, even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, uh, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. All right, so that that brings us back to this this judgment that's going to take place. And so the the first thing we want to establish, all right, so we talked about last time, and we're going to try to reestablish it this time. I want to try to make it a little more clear and point, point it out a little more crisply if I can. Um, but who's in charge of the world right now? Who has dominion? Satan has dominion. All right, so, so look at Luke chapter 4. So let's, let's establish this. So it's not just words coming out of our mouths, but we can prove it. Luke chapter 4, and let's read verses 5 through 7. Verse 5, the devil taking him up into an high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me. You see what he said? Power over the kingdoms of this world were delivered to Satan. When would that have happened? Eden. It was given to, it was given to Adam, and they, they were given one rule to follow to maintain their fidelity to God and their, their dominion over the earth, and they immediately lost it. Um, it, it wasn't long and they sinned against God and turned it over to Satan. All right. So he said, this power is delivered unto me. Let's read down to verse seven. Uh, and the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them for, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all, all shall be thine. All right. So the Lord allowed Satan I mean, if you think about it, this is an unbelievably odd situation in the Bible. You have Satan leading the Lord around, and the Lord just goes with him wherever he wants to take him. Uh, that in and of itself is an, is an odd situation. Uh, so he's uh, escorting Jesus Christ around and showing him all these things and, and tempting him, and, and he tells the Lord... He shows them the, 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 kingdom, the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, it's all mine. It was delivered to me. And I can give it to you. And so what, what he's doing is he's, he's offering Jesus what everybody gets offered. A shortcut. <laughs> That's what every... YouTube video about health and money is about. That's what every self-help book about health and money is about. Here's the fastest way to get rich. Here's the, here's the quick way to get healthy. Here's the, every, everybody's looking for a shortcut, and nobody just wants to go through the long process of working, earning money, saving money, and investing it. <laughs> like, well, what's the fast way to do it? Well, there is no fast way. A few people occasionally get rich quickly, but it's not many, and, and it's a very rare thing. It just doesn't happen. What's the fast way to get healthy? Well, you know, stop piling food in your face and get up and walk around. <laughs> go run. Do something physical. Well, that doesn't sound... In, in, that's going to take me weeks or months or years. Yeah? Well, it took you years to turn into a, an, you know, a balloon. <laughs> All right, So it's not going to happen overnight. There's no fast way to get to where you want to go. And if you're looking for a fast way to get to where you want to go, you can be certain you're not going to get there. And you don't deserve to be there. Everyone who's looking for for a shortcut, you're looking for trouble. And and you're going to be sold a a false bill of goods. Because when you arrive where you think that shortcut's going to take you, you're going to find out really quickly. There's no money there. There's no skinny you there. There's there's nothing there that's going, going to be what you thought you were going to get. And so Satan is telling Jesus Christ, you don't have to go to the cross. You're doing all this to fulfill the promise of your father. He promised you he would give you dominion. He would give you the kingdoms of this world. He's going to give you all this stuff. I can give it to you right now. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to the cross. All right, so he, he, made, he, he it, it, it demonstrates the importance of accomplishing whatever it is in life that God has given you to accomplish with integrity. Do it the right way. Don't look for shortcuts. Like, yeah, but it's hard. That's just how it is. Is it harder than dying on the cross? <laughs> no. Just That's the thing about work. Nobody wants to do it. <laughs> there are a few people who like to work, but not many. All right, and so, but you're still responsible to do the work. And in tor- order to accomplish what God needs us to accomplish in this life, whether it's You as a father, a husband, a wife, a preacher, a soul winner, whatever it is, you got to go out and put in the work. And if you don't go out and put in the work, you're not going to get the results. There is no shortcut. And so the Lord Jesus Christ could have bypassed the cross. He could have, he didn't rebuke Satan and tell him you're a liar. You made all this up. He said, get behind me. I'm only going to worship God, the father. I will not worship you. I will not bow down to you. And that was it. It It's the end of the matter. And so this world right now, that's why when I hear people like, well, God's in control, I cringe. (laughs) It's an ignorant statement. They don't know what they're saying. God's in control of what? How many people are dying every day between Russia and Ukraine right now? Is God in control of that? You want to blame God for that? So God's in control. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. God had nothing to do with that. That's Russia and Ukraine Doing what, what men do. Pride. Where do wars come from, according to James? Pride. Right, and so Russia wants Ukraine, Ukraine wants Russia to die. <laughs> they, don't want to be, they, don't, they hate each other, and so they're gonna fight. It, did, did God cause the situation in Sudan right now? You know, it's just you've got to be careful with these things. God could God could be in control of you. And that's the, that's really the key, and that's what nobody likes to... Nobody boasts about that. No, God's just in control of me today. <laughs> is he? They say he's in control generally of the world. Well, what about all the terrible things going on? Is God in control of that? No, the God of this world is in control of that. All right, now, so that so this is the one side. Satan, according to that verse, Satan has dominion, but... Then there's the con- the con- conflicting or the opposing statement that, that throws everybody off. Turn to Matthew 28. This is where everybody gets gets confused, and it's it's a reasonable point of confusion. But there is a there is a, if you follow it all the way out, there, it, it, there is a reasonable explanation. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Well, now what do we do? So does Satan have dominion or does Jesus have dominion? Is Satan the God the god of this world and in charge of this world? Or is Jesus in, in control of this world? Because the two statements appear to conflict, right? They seem to oppose each other and and... One has to be right and one has to be wrong. Well, let me ask you something. Let's, let's talk about the current characteristics of this world. Um, death. Disease. War. Pride. Rape. Theft. Does it sound like Jesus Christ is in control of this world? I mean, if you're going to look at the reality of the characteristics of this world, the best of men in this world today, the best are liars. Right? Is that not true? Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. So if you're going to look at these characteristics of the world we live in, who who does it resemble? Satan, not Jesus Christ. Now, you might ask yourself, so then why, isn't, why don't these things, why don't these characteristics dominate? And in some places, you could make the argument that they do dominate, but in many places, they don't. Well, he that letteth will let until he's taken away. All right, so these things are going to exist. They're going to exist in abundance, and they absolutely do. But the devil right now, even though he's the God of this world, is in control of this world, can only go so far with his agenda until we are taken out of the way. We, the church, the body of Christ, are literally the only thing from making this 100% of, of, of the world's activity all day, every day. You, you look at the places today that have wholly abandoned Jesus Christ and rejected God and look at, look at the way that they operate. You go, you go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in America, they, they have a place called, you know the word neighborhood, however you spell it, you know how to spell it. They have a place called Gaberhood. The whole neighborhood is nothing but homosexuals. You know, you know, crosswalks in the street where you cross the street, they have the lines on the street. It's all, it's all pride flags. They have completely, they have wholly abandoned God and Jesus Christ in every way in that area. And, and the more they can get the surrounding areas to, to commit to do the same, it's going to, that, little, that little gay kingdom is going to expand and expand and expand and take over until, until everybody in the area has lost their minds. And they, they are unbelievably disgusting. They walk the streets naked, in the open, Children around, nobody cares that right, right now are having its pride month. Just imagine your mentality is so ungodly that when you get a month named after, after your ideology, which I have no idea, usually you, you dedicate a month to celebrate people who have accomplished something. What did you accomplish by being a confused sodomite? What is there to celebrate here exactly? All right, so so they get, they give these people a whole month to celebrate them for some reason. I mean, the reason is Romans 1, you've been given over to a reprobate mind. That's the reason. Like you you don't have an entire country celebrating this garbage in this way unless unless God said, "Okay, have at it. I'm giving you over." All right, and so so Right now they're having all these parades and they're setting up all these events in different places where they're literally walking through the streets naked in disgusting clothing and lingerie and people bring their children. I can't even describe to you the images and the things that that, that are going on that these people are doing. It's disgusting. And parents... Who have, had, who, who have completely lost their minds take their children out as though it's like a fun carnival or event to, to go and see. It's sick and it's twisted. You're going to tell me Jesus Christ is in control of that? Well, God's in control of Pride Month? No, when Jesus Christ is in control, when he takes control, he'll reign in righteousness. Sorry, there won't be Pride Month this year. And if you try, I'll break out my rod of iron and crack you across the head with it. And that's it. Well, can we talk about it? No. In fact, you mention it again, I'll pop you with my rod. that will be a wonderful day. You want to raise children in this? Look, we come from the Western world. I have to watch my children like a hawk because these people want the mind of my child. They're open about it. They go into the schools. They they have transgender people all over the country going into libraries and reading books, wearing lingerie to children. It's disgusting. And parents bring their children to let them see that. They should all be executed. The child should be taken somewhere safe. You know how you get people to suddenly... You can't reproduce a homosexual. Everybody understand that, how that works here? Like, there's no homosexual gene. And, and so if two men get married, where will their offspring come from? From you. That's where it's going to come from. They're going to go after somebody else's children because they can't have children. And they're going to influence your children to be like them. That's where it comes from. People training people to act like this. It's disgusting. And, And it blows my mind that mass numbers of people all over the world, not just in America, all over the world are going along with this. There's something to it that, that's unexplainable. It's deeper than just a bunch of freaks who've been given the opportunity to act like freaks openly. There's something deeper to it. There's something spiritual to it. And these evangelists are getting their way because God's evangelists just sit at home and watch Fox News. That should not be... So so we have these conflicting ideas. All right, so just at face value, if you look at the world, it's it's obvious Satan is in control, not Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ was in control, it it would be like this. It would be righteousness. Not all this garbage that's going on. But but it's not enough to just take it at face value, We we need to fully establish that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Some of these are the same verses that we looked at last time, but but we're we're going to gain a little more context, I believe, this time. And um, try to establish this, this judgment that's coming. First of all that, that, that part of the and ju- an, 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 an instinct or an important part of the the judgment is the dominion. All right, so if you remember what we read The Ancient of Days is going to judge the the beast and he's going to leave the other beasts alive, but he's going to take their dominion. All right. So Christ can't reign until that dominion is delivered back to him from his father. That's what God the father promised him in Psalm 2. If you will go die on the cross, I will give you the heathen for an inheritance. I will give you the kingdoms of this world for an inheritance. They will be yours. He said, okay. So he went to the cross and he did exactly as his father asked. Every step of the way. And so 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And and notice that ends with a colon. It's very important. It's connecting these ideas together. You can't separate verse 3 from verse 4. Now when we go soul winning, we, we separate it because... You're not teaching the Bible to a lost person. You just need them to see that if they don't know the gospel, they have a problem. (laughs) If the gospel is what saves you and the gospel is hid, you don't know what the gospel is. You know, you you walk through that whole process. Are you going to heaven when you die? Well, yes, I'm going to heaven. How are you getting to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. Wrong answer. I'm a Catholic. Wrong answer. I I do good works. No, you don't. (laughs) All right, none, none of that is the gospel. And so you try to help them a little bit and you, and you ask them, what is the gospel? Well, it's the Bible. No, it's not the Bible. It's in the Bible, but it's not the Bible. Well, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So every, every step of the way, I have, I have given you every opportunity I can to tell me how you're getting to heaven and none of your answers are related to the gospel whatsoever. All right, and so if the gospel is hid from you, What's the solution? What's the, what's the reality? You're lost. Now, some people are honest enough to look at that and say, I'm in trouble. I need, I need help. And some people just they act like every man when he's lost. I'm not asking for directions. <laughs> I'll figure it out. And that's a dangerous way to go. But, but then the Word of God connects it to this next thought, in whom, so them that are lost, that's, that's the whom. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You know, so some people say, well, if, you know, how, can, how can they believe if God has blinded their minds? Or the, the God of this world hath blinded their minds. The God of this world blinded their minds because they chose not to believe. It, it's not you're blind, therefore you don't believe. It's you refuse to believe Therefore, you moved into blindness. That's the way it works. You didn't just show up blind and then, and then you know, you, you're not going to stand before God and say, well, you made me blind so I couldn't believe. Or you let the devil make me blind so I couldn't believe. God's going to say, no, you didn't believe. And because of your unbelief, the devil was able to make you blind and have influence over you. That says in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the, of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. So you see in, in, this, in this verse Satan has influence. It's, it's as though the world's being divided up. Oh you believe? Well you don't belong to me. Go on about your business. Leave me alone. Get away from me. Oh you don't believe? Well let's go have a talk. Have you heard of Muhammad? <laughs> have you heard of Buddha? One of the stupidest things Americans say is, is uh, well, I, I practice Buddhism because it's not a religion. Really? You said you practice it. You practice a religion, stupid. And not just that, have you been to Thailand? I have been to Thailand. Anybody here been to Thailand? No? Yeah. Okay. You go to Thailand? If you're walking down the street and a Buddhist monk is walking towards you, walking towards you, you get out of the way. Because that religion dominates that country. You, go, you, ha- you have to go to the temple. You have to pay tithes to the temple. You have to go give food to the temple. You have to go... like You, you, you give of what you have to the temple, or you don't get, the, you don't get Buddha's fat blessings. It is every bit a religion. And if you, if you get blinded because you reject Jesus Christ, who, who the verse tries to tell you again, you, you reject the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. You rejected God, so then the God of this world gave you something else to believe. And you didn't want Jesus Christ, but you go follow a fat man who wears a diaper. It, it's, it's sheer, deliberate, chosen, ignorance. I don't want Jesus. I'll take whatever else you have. Well, we have Hinduism. I'll do that. We have Catholicism. Ah, uh, It's a little too close to that whole Jesus thing. They'll take the religion. They'll take the blindness, but they will not take Jesus Christ. And they, they give themselves over to the influence of Satan, who is the God of this world. The Bible says you should not be surprised that Satan hath turned himself into a minister of light. He's not, out, he's not out offering people alcohol or drugs or pornography. That's not what Satan's doing. That's what your flesh does. Your flesh desires those things. And because your flesh desires those things, you'll go after those. You'll give in to your flesh whether you're saved or not if you're not careful. And you, you can blame the devil all you want, but the devil's like, I didn't anything to do with that. I was trying to offer you Roman Catholicism. <laughs> I was trying to get you to follow the Pope. <laughs> and you got hooked on pornography, so I didn't need to get you to follow anything. <laughs> you did it to yourself. You let your flesh get you in trouble. And, and so, so that's, that's how that works. God ha- or Satan has that influence. Look at uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Very important terminology. You were dead, but you're not anymore, right? And so it goes through this passage, his next several verses, it says, since this is what you used to be, you're not this anymore. You're not dead anymore. You're not controlled by the flesh of your mind and, and, and the desires of your flesh anymore. You're not controlled by the prince of the power of the air. You're not controlled by the course of this world. You're you're not swayed by those things anymore because God has quickened you, given you new life, a new birth. You've been born again. All right? So, and you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, listen to this the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You see that continued influence. That man that had the legion inside of him, what does it say he did? He saw Jesus and he ran to him. Do you want to be controlled by the devil or do you want to be controlled by Jesus Christ? If you want to be controlled by Jesus Christ, run to him. He is the answer, he is the solution. You know, what if I'm possessed with the devil? That man was possessed with the devil. As soon as he saw Jesus Christ, he ran to Jesus Christ. And that was it. It was over for him. Those devils were cast out, he was in his right mind with his clothes on, and everybody was scared of him after he was in his right mind. <laughs> When he's running around cutting himself, throwing him in the fire, screaming through the mountains, everybody's like, oh, it's just George acting crazy again. Nobody cares. Same thing in Mark chapter 1. Let's go to the synagogue so we can worship God. Oh, there's that man with the unclean spirit. He's here every week. and Nobody cares? You just let a man full of a devil walk around in your synagogue like it's nothing? Then Jesus shows up and casts the spirit out of that man. they're like, whoa, who is this? Like we can get rid of those things. <laughs> we just we just thought it was part of life. We just hang out with them. And so it it's Satan has this influence because he's the God, he's the spirit of this world. And if he's the spirit of this world, doesn't all this make sense now? Death, disease, war, pride, rape, theft. Now it it fits in because you got two things controlling this world, the flesh of men and Satan. And if those two things are controlling this world, this is what you're going to get. Look at chapter 6. See it again. Chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Now look, look at it again. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. So they have influence, they have control over this world. Satan is the God of this world. It's his. And if you don't get yourself in the Bible and turn yourself over to Jesus Christ and be led by the spirit of God, you're going to be led by another spirit. You're going to be led by another God. You're you're, you're going to give your your faithfulness to something. Whether it's laziness, a job, a football team, a political opponent, whatever it is, you're going to give yourself over to something. Some people dedicate themselves to eating and they look like it. (laughs) But you're going to give yourself to something. You are made to worship. You are made to belong to God. You are made to please God. And if you don't dedicate your time to doing that, well, you're going to find something else to fill that time with and to fill that space with. That's why it's so important when you're learning and growing in the Christian life. Uh, people say, you know I, I, uh, you know, I quit listening to that music. Well, good. Well, what did you start listening to? You can't. The Bible is always very clear, you have to separate from and unto. You gotta have both. If you separate from something and you don't replace it with something godly, if you if you get if you get something ungodly out of your life and you don't replace it with something godly, well then that ungodly thing is gonna come back with seven devils like it and fill (laughs) fill the space. It's, 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 it's an imbalance. You're going to get yourself in trouble. You, you, you can't just not do something. You have to say, I, I'm getting rid of that and I'm replacing it with this. That does not please God. This does please God. So I'm going to fill my time with that instead. And, and so in a, in a lot of our churches, they, they give you a long list of don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Well, what do I do? <laughs> now I know what I don't do. What do I do? And if you don't give people the the do's along with the don'ts, you're you're creating, you're setting people up for a massive fall because eventually something's going to fill that void and it's not going to be good. So it's it's important to always separate from and unto. And if you don't dedicate yourself to Jesus Christ, somebody's going to come knocking on your door. We're from the Jehovah's Witness from down the street. (laughs) And, and I don't know how they do it here, but in America, they'll come and we, we just want to cut your yard for free. We want to fix your house for free. We want to do this. We want to do that. We just we love you. We just want to do something nice for you. And they went a lot of people over doing things like that. Oh, your father's in the hospital. We'd like to go visit him. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> Bunch of devils. And so it's, it's essential to get that balance. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 9 For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the Son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus. Okay. What about Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So Jesus Christ was made a little lower than the angels. Which ones? All of them. The unclean ones? All of them. We don't get to pick which ones. Oh, he was made lower than the, than the good ones. <laughs> Look, in, in, in Jude, Michael the archangel, the, 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 in Jude, the Bible is teaching about uh, uh, speaking evil of dignitaries. And then it gives us an example. All right, so if, if we speak evil, evil of dignitaries, people in political power, people, people above us, people who have authority over us, the Bible says that's ungodly. That's another thing I would... If God had consulted me, I might have encouraged him to leave that out. (laughs) But he he didn't consult me, obviously, in all my wisdom compared to his. But then he goes on to show an example. And he says, Michael, the archangel, when contending with Satan over the body of Moses, refused to, to talk bad about Lucifer. Why? Because... A a cherubim, the anointed cherub that covereth Satan, Lucifer, a cherubim has more authority than an angel. And so because he has more authority, he wouldn't talk bad about him. He just said, the Lord rebuke you. And so now here we have Jesus Christ being made a little lower than the angels. Now that's hard for us to grasp because we think of Jesus Christ as God. God is over the angels. God is above the angels. God is in charge of the angels. Not when he was made manifest in a body of flesh. He was made a little lower than the angels. But why? For the suffering of death. There was a purpose. There was a reason. And so, and so right now, Jesus Christ does not have dominion on earth, though, on, though at his resurrection he made a show of them openly, he, he defied them, he embarrassed them, he took the keys to death and hell, and all power was given to him. But he doesn't yet exercise that power. Not yet. Now Christ was made lower than the angels. Um, the, the, this reality exists for a measure of time and, and a specific purpose, certain desires of the father must be accomplished. And in order to accomplish it the right way to, to the full extent of God's righteousness, holiness, honesty, goodness, n- none of those things, his mercy, his grace, none of those things, none of those aspects of who God is can be violated. That's incredibly complex to, to, to do. When you, when you, as a person, when you have strong principles and every day you set out to do your best not to violate those principles, it's inevitable you're going to do something stupid you're going to wish you hadn't done. And most people would look at it and say, oh, it's not that bad. You're fine. But to you, it's a big deal. You, you don't do things like that, whatever it is. And so when, when you do it, even in small measure, you're, you're angry with yourself because I let that happen. I won't do it again. God has never had that problem. Now, that that adds to the complexity, though, of dealing with a bunch of sinful creatures. How do I save all these people, not send them to hell, deal with Satan and his minions and, and, and all, the, all the, 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 the hosts that are with him? Also deal with the angels that are on my side. How, how do I... Maintain the proper balance of my righteousness, holiness, goodness, mercy, grace, all these things, my judgment, all at the same time and not violate any of them. That means things have to be done in a very specific way in order for man's sins to be forgiven and for God to redeem his his people. The nation of Israel, the lost souls of men, all that is in the balance. And to accomplish all that is unbelievably complex. Because if it was us and we were God, we'd just show up and say, I'm just doing it. Well, you, you could do that, but then it wouldn't be just. It wouldn't be righteous. It might achieve the end goal that you want, but you would violate the characteristics of who we know God to be. So how do you accomplish all of this? And not violate who and what God is and and still achieve the end goal that you want. <laughs> well, God put all that together. I'm going to have to send my son. He's going to put on a body of flesh. He's going to be made lower than the angels. Look at, look at Hebrews 1. This is why God had to say this. Um, look at verse... Let's just start verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. So he's heir of all things. What does it mean if you're the heir? You don't have it yet. Right? It's going to be given to you, but you're not there yet. Appointed heir of all things. By whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and it's interesting again, made what? The worlds. So there's more than one world. There's not just one world. So anytime the Bible says something happened in the world, you've got to get the context of what world it's talking about. Peter said the world that then was, being overthrown with a flood, well, that's that's one world dying and a new world coming about. All right, So throughout the Bible, there are multiple worlds. And, and so when you know Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, and so people say, oh, all the way back in creation, God knew that he was going to kill his son. <laughs> well, what world is it talking about? There are multiple worlds. You have to get the context. You can't take it all the way back to Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1 is the beginning of the earth, not the world. They're not the same thing. It's, it's, it's important to get that context. Anyways, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, after he did that, verse five, verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they... For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith unto all the angels, what did he say? Why? As the angels are looking at this, and they're saying, that's, that's the word. From John 1. And he's walking around in a body of flesh. What do we do? (laughs) The father's saying, that man is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are still to worship him. Even though for, for for a short time and for a reason, he's been made a little lower than the angels. Briefly. To accomplish eternal redemption. And if we don't do this, we can't. We can't. The the redeemer has to be a kinsman redeemer. Jesus Christ came into the world, took on a body of flesh, was made into to to be a man, and died on the cross. And the angels are constantly looking into this, like, "What is this? (laughs) What is happening here?" And the Father says, "That is God. Worship Him. Don't don't make any mistakes." That's still God. He's still the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You still worship him. Nothing has changed. All right, so Philippians 2 is another good example of this. He he humbled himself. He became obedient. He became a servant. He made himself of no reputation. That's verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Then you get down to verse 8, and it's describing... How Christ went lower and lower and lower and made himself nothing. Then in verse nine, wherefore? What what do we call wherefore, that word? What do we call that type of word? Because of this. Uh, What? Because of this. Yeah, it's, it's a concluding word. So because of these things, because of verses five through eight, God hath highly exalted him. And at some point, Every knee will bow and every, every tongue will confess. But to get there, five through eight, he made himself low. He became a little lower than the angels, took on a body of flesh. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's still God. But he had to be made low in order to accomplish redemption, in order to accomplish salvation and make it available. All right, now. With all that in mind, come back to Daniel 10. Hopefully that makes sense. I know it's a, it's a lot to take in. Daniel 10, verses 7 through 13. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> we don't care what Daniel's seeing. Something's making me shake. <laughs> Run away. Uh, verse eight. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of, of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. So he's in a deep sleep on his face on the ground. And then something, something touches him, lifts him up. And now he's on his hands and knees with his face down toward the ground. And you'll find in the Bible, when someone stands before God and they fall, if they, if they worship God, if they love God, they always fall forward on their face. If, they, if they're against God or the enemy of God, you think about in the garden, uh, you know, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am him. <laughs> and they all fall back on their, on their backs. The enemies of God always fall backwards. That's why when you see in you know, all these Pentecostal movements, people waving their coat and throwing their handkerchief and people fall backwards, that's the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. You're just demonstrating. You don't understand what you're doing, what you're talking about. Uh, You know, you're telling on yourself. Anyways, verse 10. And behold, in hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, "O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Scott, would God say that about you? I hope he would say that about me. But that's that's incredible to me. Daniel, a man greatly beloved. He's not talking about his neighbors. He's talking about this is the, this is the talk of Daniel in heaven. <laughs> You're greatly beloved. That's why I'm here. The words that I speak unto thee and stand uh, and stand upright for unto thee am I now sent. And when I had spoken this word, unto, when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, "All right." So now imagine this. He's he's terrified. He's standing there trembling. Looking at an angel, and then the angel's going to say, "Man, to get here, I had to fight this unclean devil who who 's king over the country that you 're in right now, and you 're like, oh, just just kill me now, just, <laughs> just get it over with. I'm already terrified, and then you 're going to come and tell me that to get here, it took you twenty twenty some odd days to get here because you 're fighting with an unclean spirit who 's in charge of the area where I live well that's that 's comforting, Thank you." <laughs> Verse twelve. Then he stood. Then he said unto me, "Fear not, Daniel, for uh, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself from from thy uh, before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. So twenty one days he's fighting this unclean spirit, who's the prince over Persia. Daniel's probably like, well, that's." <laughs> That's not helping me right now to know that. But, lo, Michael. So now the, now the angel's going to say, and I couldn't, I couldn't win. <laughs> so I had to call Michael to come help me. And so Daniel's like, so that, so that guy's here now? <laughs> like, he's in charge of this place? <laughs> Did you kill him? <laughs> well, they don't die. So, yeah, he's still here. <laughs> But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia, the kings of Persia. All right. So this is, you know, this is not a it's like they're tag teaming or something. They're they're going back and forth. Like I go in and fight then Michael comes in and fight and the prince of Persia comes in to fight. then the kings of Persia come in and fight. And we're all just having this big battle. And I'm just trying to come tell you something. (laughs) That'd be scary to know. He was already terrified of what's going on. And, and now here he is being told about these, these battles that are going on. And so the angel fought for 21 days just to get to him. And the principalities and powers somehow connected to the governmental structure of Persia and Greece prevented this angel from having free passage. Now, there, we have no reason to believe that that doesn't still happen right now. Because the God of this world is still in charge of the kingdoms of this world. Nothing has changed yet. Now, the question is, is the God of this world in control of you? If he's in control of you, you're in trouble. Saved or not? If you're saved, he's not supposed to be in control of you. People like to ask stupid questions like, you know, can, uh, can Christians be possessed with a devil? Is the devil going to go in and kick the Holy Spirit out? No. But can the devil have control of your mind? Yeah, if you give it to him. If you cede that territory, the devil shows up and says, have you seen this? And instead of saying, no, it's ungodly. I don't want anything to do with it. You say, "What? Well, I'll just look at it a little bit. Well, you just gave him a little bit of territory is what you just did. We are supposed to resist the devil and he will what? Flee. All right. So we have that ability because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Now, if you're going to sit down and entertain what the devil presents you with, you're not possessed by him, but you're entertained by him and you're under his, you're under his sway and control, though you're not possessed. There's a difference. And the moment you want to uh, remove him from having that authority over you, you you just turn back to Jesus Christ. But why go back and forth? Why not just stay with Jesus Christ? Why not just walk in the spirit? Why not be in full control of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you and wants what's best for you? The only reason the devil wants control over you is, is to abuse you and misuse you and to cause you to be ineffective. The devil never once showed up and said, you know, I have so many good things planned for you. That's not how it works. The devil shows up and disguises himself, gets you off track, and then you're ineffective and doing nothing for the Lord. Look at verses 20 and 21. Then said he, Knowest thou, wherefore I come unto thee? And... Now will I return? <laughs> I got to go back. <laughs> and by the way, they're still there. So I've got to fight my way back to heaven to get back to where I came from. So he says, I, I, uh, I, now, now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So they're going to team up on me. I guess he's mad because me and Michael teamed up on him, and now he's got a, he went and got the Prince of Grisha, and they came back, and now they're both gonna, I'm gonna have to deal with both of them. And when I am gone, the fourth, the Prince of Grisha shall come, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your Prince. And you'll see repeatedly um, the connection between Michael. And Israel in the Bible, they're, they're intimately connected. It's almost as, as though Michael's purpose is to watch over Israel insofar that God wants him to. Uh, of course, right now, Israel is scattered and, and still in, in punishment, if you will, judgment, and uh, will remain that way until the tribulation is over. Uh, now they're not in the tribulation period right now, obviously, but they are scattered on the face of the earth, and not allow not not in their land. They could, to some extent, go back now, but that time hasn't come yet. It 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 will though. Uh, Ezekiel chapter one. Let's let's look at this amazing piece of literature. <laughs> This, this this chapter, what's in this chapter, is one of the most incredible things in the Word of God. All right, we'll read. We're going to read pretty much the whole chapter, but we'll start with verses one through twenty. And and so this is what you're looking at in this chapter. Um, Ezekiel in chapter one and in chapter ten, Ezekiel is given a vision of God on His throne. And so this is another. passage. Everybody, rather than just believing what it says, they're always trying to figure out what it says. And so there's so many wild interpretations of these verses, and it's unnecessary uh, because he tells you right there in the beginning, I believe it's in verse 1, I saw God. (laughs) And then he goes on to describe it. So as we go through this, what you have in mind, the throne of God god That's what we're about to look at in word form, obviously. Uh, It'd be nice if God would just come down and let us see this. I think it caused Ezekiel to fall on his face (laughs) when he saw it. Uh, So as you read that, just keep this in mind. That's that's what he's describing. Uh, Verse 1, we'll read verses 1 through 20. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month... As I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Now, what, where is Ezekiel right now? What time period are we in, you know, dispensationally in the Bible? And where is he physically located? He was taken captive about four years after Daniel. So he's in Babylon in captivity. And God's given him all, the, all this, uh, this, this wild revelation through the book of Ezekiel. Um, All right, so verse 2. And the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Remember that? Which king was Jehoiakim? Anybody remember? Second, yes. Good. Verse 3. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai. That's another good name. Good Bible name. (laughs) Not if you're speaking English. <laughs> the I is a, it's a, it, it's, you, you use it one way in Uganda, E, and that's it. We use it multiple ways in English. And the, the context will, will tell. Now, how do you properly pronounce this in the language that the name is in? I have no idea. But if we're speaking English, booze <laughs> In the land of the Chaldeans, I mean, you wouldn't say Chaldeans, it's Chaldeans, because we're speaking English. Now, in Luganda, you would pronounce the vowels completely different. That's the struggle with learning, what we've talked about already, but that's the struggle with learning a different language, is learning how to pronounce their vowels. And then you get so accustomed to using vowels a certain way, and so you go to try to say their words, and you say the vowels all wrong, and they're just looking at you like... That man's speaking in tongues. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's, what, what meaneth this babbler? <laughs> That's what they, what they start saying. So uh, anyways, uh, the, on, on the river Chebar and, uh, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. Now, God's throne always comes out of the north. And uh, one place to establish that is Psalm 4. 48, I believe. I think I put it in my notes. Yeah, Psalm 48. Uh, So out of this whirlwind, out of the north, comes this image, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. Now, remember that. So you're going to see some things here. You're going to see the, the info about the wheels and the fire. All right, there's some characteristics here that are going to take us back to Daniel because Daniel's also going to see this throne in Daniel 7. He just doesn't give as detailed of a description. So a great cloud and a fire. And, and, and that's interesting because how, how did God lead Israel through the wilderness? A cloud and a fire. So it's, it makes you wonder what was actually, the, what was actually in front of them. <laughs> May have been the throne of God where he may have just sent a cloud and fire, but interesting to think about. Um, A great cloud and a fire uh, enfolding itself and a brightness was about it and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber and out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the lightness of four living creatures and this was their appearance. They had the lightness of a man. Now, if this... This is very interesting. I've never seen a man (laughs) look like what we're about to read. But what he's trying to tell you is that if you looked at their bodies, it would look like the body of a man, except he's got the face of a lion and an ox and (laughs) and, and all these different things. He's got four wings. And and so other than that, he looked like a man. (laughs) Um, Also out of the mist thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man and everyone had four faces. How many men have you seen with four faces? Not many. <laughs> not, not any. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone had four wings. All right. And their feet were straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. The feet went straight down, and at the at the bottom was the foot of a calf. All right, so so these these creatures are following around the throne of God, and it's it's interesting because it moves like you, you have these creatures there, and as and and the throne is up above it, up above them, and every time the throne moves, it moves like this. It doesn't it doesn't turn or do any of that. It just it just moves in this in this linear fashion, and so everywhere it goes, it just. It just, it moves in a straight line every time. And it can do that because as it's going, well, this face can see this way. That face can see that way. That face can see that way. And that face can see that way. (laughs) So you have these creatures who can see. And then then you have the wheels that have eyes all around in in the wheels. So, So you've got this, you've got a wheel within a wheel. And then they have eyes on the wheels. So everywhere the wheels turn, it was, it's probably something more like this. It's going to be hard to draw here, but it's probably intersecting wheels like that. And the wheels have eyes in them. So it can move <laughs> anywhere it wants. It, just, it doesn't turn when it moves. It can just... Which is how they describe UFOs every time they describe a UFO. I wonder where they stole that from. <laughs> So yeah, the sole of, of of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished burnished brass. Anybody here seen brass that's been polished? They basically look like that cup, except brass is a little bit more of a goldish color. Yeah, yeah, like a like a yellowish goldish looking padlock. That's brass. And it's like burnished brass. So it's, it's, it's shining and bright and, and it's like it's been polished. So you're looking at these creatures and they have these faces and they have these feet and they have wings. And they're just, they, they, they're like the color of metal. Bright and shining. I'd fall on my face too. <laughs> Sorry, don't hurt me. Uh Burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. So it's just constant. It's always straight forward because you have a face on every side, and so so there's no need to, to turn. You know, we have to look around. You could just ask your other head what's over there. <laughs> what's around us? <laughs> Report. <laughs> and, and they can all tell you. And so uh, it would be an interesting thing to see. Uh, verse nine, their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they when they went. They they went everyone straight forward as for their likeness us for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side, and they four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward, uh, two wings on on every uh, two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. and they went every everyone straight forward. Whither the spirit was to go, the spirit. This is interesting. Wherever the spirit want, wanted to go, what is God? And how do you worship God? In spirit and truth. All right, so, so the, the, the spirit that's in charge of these things, they go wherever the spirit wants to go. And we know that we know from John 4 that God is a spirit. And, uh, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures and the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. <laughs> now imagine that just like that. They're, they, they're from here to Kampala. <laughs> just. Just in a flash of lightning, they're gone. Verse 15. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one will upon the, the earth by the living creatures with his four faces, the appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of beryl. And they four had one likeness and their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So it'd be something like this. It's it's these intersecting circles or, or wheels. It, it's, it's it's not just a simple circle. It's it's like a an actual wheel. So there there's some substance to this as it as you um, as they as they intersect. Um, you know, it's this is very simplistic, obviously. I, um, you wouldn't want me trying to draw this out. It would just hurt your head. Um, but they, they had these intersecting wheels. Um, look back in verse 17. When they went, they went upon their four sides and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. And their rings were full of the full of eyes round about them four. All right, so these in these wheels in these rings, you got eyes. Wouldn't that be creepy? They're, they're all in these rings. And no matter where the rings go, they're looking at you. (laughs) And so as it's moving and and doing what it does, it's like you can't hide from it because he's got four faces all the way around of the the four creatures. And then you've got the eyes around the rings and and it's it's a sight to see. Now, remember, look back at verse uh, look back at verse one. Now it came to pass in in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chibar, that that the heavens were opened and I saw. So what's he looking at? All right. Now, the, the creatures and the rings are not God. But now he's describing this, this firmament, this cloud above it. And then there sits a throne on top. And there's a person sitting on that throne. And he says that person looks like a man. It has, has the, the, the body of a man sitting on top of the throne. So, so let's keep reading. Um, verse 18. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. And, and their, their rings were full of eyes round about them for. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures are lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Uh, thither was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. All right, so whatever this is, the spirit is on the throne up here, it it has the the power and the ability to to bring this thing to life, whatever this is. So the the, the spirit, which which would be God sitting on the throne, he has the ability to empower this thing that's under him, this contraption that's under him and and the, the living creatures that are there. These same creatures are very similar creatures are described in Revelation flying around the throne in heaven. And what are they crying? Day and night. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Describes very similar creatures in, in, in Revelation, but when the throne is in heaven. Now the throne is moving around. It's out. It's, it has left the third heaven, come down to earth, and the reason God came down is to get the Ark of the Covenant before Babylon destroys the temple. And you see that in chapter 10. In chapter 10, he describes this thing again, and God goes into the temple that that cloud goes into the temple, takes the ark of the covenant. It leaves the east side of the temple, and it goes up and is taken up into heaven by these creatures. Um, so Ezekiel saw God, then recorded what he saw for us to read. <laughs> Could you imagine trying? And now he did this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously. But trying to record what you're seeing when this is what you're seeing, <laughs> what we just read is what you're seeing. How do I write that down? <laughs> it's got eyes everywhere. Uh, it's the body of a man, but, but he does have four wings and the feet of a calf. <laughs> so not really a man, but kind of a man. Oh, by the way, he also looks like burnished brass. And so it'd be very difficult to, to describe. God's throne comes from the north, and that's, that, that can be corroborated in uh, Psalm 48, Um, And we have a wheel within a wheel, you have eyes round about, it flashes with lightning, it shoots a beam of light, and it doesn't turn when it moves. I mean, this is a wild scene that Ezekiel's looking at. And before it's over, he ends up on his hands and knees on his face. Um, Again, not backwards, but forwards on his face. Uh, All right, now let's go, let's talk more about this. Which is what it's going to talk about now. What's up here above this firmament? Uh, twenty-one through twenty-eight. Verse twenty-one: When those went, those went, and when those stood, these stood, and when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels, and the lightness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature was as the color. Of the terrible crystal. Now, who, anybody here know what a crystal looks like? Seen a crystal? What's a terrible crystal look like? (laughs) I have no idea. All I can tell you is it must have been the most amazing looking crystal. And so, this firmament, and what is a, generally speaking, what is a firmament? It's, it's a sky. It's a, it's, you could maybe add the clouds in there. Maybe it's, it's, it's a cloud. I think it does call it, an, at, at certain points, it calls it a cloud. But this cloud is like a crystal when you see it. So it's, it's, it's almost like that sea of glass before the throne in heaven. Yeah, I mean, imagine a sea, an ocean, and it's, it's glass. It's just a, some of the most amazing Visuals you could possibly imagine. And Hollywood cannot come close to the Bible and what, and what God has to offer you. You sit down and try to imagine this stuff and think about what God is saying, what he's trying to show you. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. And so this, this, this firmament says, a terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. And under the firmament were their wings straight and one toward uh, the other, everyone had two, which covered on, his, on this side, and everyone had two, which covered on that side, their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty. The Bible repeatedly talks about God's voice as the sound of many waters. It's, it's a... If you've ever heard a waterfall, that thing, it roars when it comes down. If you have a a serious waterfall, I mean, it is loud. So it talks about God's voice as the voice of many waters. It says, uh, the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech as the noise of an host. When they stood, they let down their wings and and there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within within it. From the appearance of his loins, even upward, and from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. As the appearance of the, of the bow that is in the cloud in the, in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. That's what the throne of God looks like. That would be your expectation of God's throne. If you were, if you were to have the opportunity to see it. It's, a, it's a, an amazing sight. An incredible sight. And so you have all these d- d- characteristics. But, but some that are going to come over to Daniel or that of the fire and the wheels. And and when Daniel sees it, the ancient of days is sitting on that throne. And this is when he goes into the second heaven to judge the principalities and powers that, that are there. And so you have the spirit. God is a spirit that looks like a man, uh, Jesus Christ is the, is the very image of God. You know, you, you, just because, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, but just because something is a spirit, it doesn't mean they don't have a body. They have many times in the Bible, spirit, you know, a spirit creature like an angel or God is described, and they always have some sort of physical body. Now, when I say physical, I don't mean fleshly, but they have hands, they have arms, they have a torso. Um, you read in the Bible, what, 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 did, what did God use to write the Ten Commandments? His finger. The Bible always talks about the breath of God, the nostrils of God. Um, you know, it's, he, he has a body. Now, it's a spirit body. It's not a physical fleshly body like ours. Uh, but it is a spirit body like ours, structured like ours. It would, if you saw God, you would, Abraham sat down and had lunch with God, and it was just a man. Jesus Christ, he said, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What does that mean? Your physical appearance? You physically look like him? Right, so he has a body. It talks about the legs of God, the feet of God. Uh, you know, God, God has, a, has an actual body. Spirit beings have a body. Many times in the Bible, they saw an angel. And what did it, what did it say they saw? A man. You saw an angel. An angel is a spirit, right? You, you'd just be looking at another man. That's why you can entertain angels unawares and not even know about it. So, so you, don't, you don't want to get the idea that because God is a spirit... That he doesn't have physical, describable features like a man. We are made in God's image. That's not just body, soul, and spirit or spirit, soul, and body. That is, we, we are made, we are physically built like God. You have a head, you have shoulders, you have a chest, you have legs, you have arms, you have a waist. We have a body. You know, I don't, I don't think that angels and God suddenly began to look like man, I think man is made like them. We are tailored after them. And so many times in the Bible, when they want to describe to you, what did this spirit look like? That's sitting up here. It looked like a man. (laughs) Just looked like a man sitting on the throne, except that he had flames of fire coming off his body and (laughs) it looked like a rainbow coming across his chest. And, and, you know, I mean, he looked like a man, but it was a really special man. (laughs) All right, so it's, it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough that if you want to know what God looked like, look at yourself. That's what he looks like. He looks like a man. He has ears. He has eyes. He has a nose. He has a mouth. He has a chin. He, he, he is a spirit, but he has a body. And I talked last time about... Those Jews who said God was just a ball of energy floating around, I I think a lot of Baptists inadvertently think that. They say, well, you know, we don't look like God. We couldn't look like God. Well, What does God look like? He looks like a man. If he doesn't look like a man, then you've got to make up some odd creature or an orb of light floating around. And that's not, you, you would never get that impression about God if you read the Bible. You read the Bible, it describes his arms, his fingers, his, his, his legs, his hands, his nostrils, his chest, his lungs. God has lungs. <laughs> it, it talks about the breath that he takes in and, and he breathed into man, the, the, the breath of life. And so, you know, it's, it's, God has a body and it looks like the body of a man. Now, do we all look exactly like God? You know, the, the exact image? Of God, no, no. Every we don't look like each other. You know, we we all look different. We we all have our our own characteristics physically, uh, but generally speaking, we're made in the image of God. We we have a physical body like God does. All right. Now with that, Daniel seven again. So Daniel seven, and we'll read verse. Read again verses 9 through 14. Verse 9. And I beheld to the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. And that, and that fit the description of what Ezekiel saw uh, as he described God. Um, and then whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. What does that sound like? That's what we just read in Ezekiel. So what Ezekiel saw, now Daniel's looking at it, but Daniel is probably too terrified at this point to give you the long <laughs> drawn out description. Or he's like, oh, Ezekiel already wrote that down, so I don't need to. But he gives us enough for us to know th- this, is, this is the same throne. These are, these are connected. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. That is two terrifying, those are two terrifying phrases. Judgment is set, books are open. Now answer yourself. Uh, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> you said if I if I trusted your son, <laughs> I wouldn't have to go through this. So can I please go to heaven and <laughs> not be not not be here being judged? Please. Um, you know it's it's amazing to me all the people who say stupid things like, "Well, I would tell God, no, you won't. You are going to be terrified." What we just described, you're going to walk up to that and march up to him and tell him what, what he needs to hear? You're going to be like Ezekiel falling on your face and hoping that that doesn't shoot a lightning bolt out and strike you in the, in, in the forehead. It's going to be... The image of God is, is terrifying. The firmament of his head is like a terrible crystal. <laughs> That alone will have you so mesmerized, you're not going to go tell God anything. And then when he speaks, it sounds like the voice of many waters. The, the, the Jews, when he was on top of Mount Sinai, they said when, when he spoke, when God spoke, it sounded like thunder. Now you imagine thunder that loud coming out from that, telling you to explain yourself, answer yourself, and you're going to walk up. I need to talk to you about something. No, you're not. You're going, to be, you're going to be cowering behind whatever you can find. And you know what's so, you know what's so amazing about the great white throne of judgment? That you think about this. The, 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 the tribulation has come to an end. The nations are judged. You have the, the, the thousand-year reign. All that happens. Uh, Satan rebels again. Christ puts them down, casts them into the lake of fire. Now it's time for the great white throne of judgment. And they run and hide. And while they're hiding, trying to get away from God, the Bible says the earth fled from before his face. Imagine hiding behind the rocks and it runs from you. Then Peter said he's going to melt the heavens and the earth with a fervent heat. He's going to melt the elements. Every element just melts away and you're standing in the middle of nothing. And there's a throne sitting in front of you. You're in space. It's pitch black, standing on nothing. And there's a great white throne standing in front of you. And it looks like that. Now, tell me again what you're going to go and tell him. (laughs) Explain to me one more time how you're going to go correct him. It's not going to happen... You're an ignorant fool. You don't know what you're talking about. You are going to be terrified. Just you're hiding behind a rock and it's gone. And you're looking around like everything's gone. It's just you and the multitudes of people who rejected Jesus Christ. And, and the, the death and hell are going to give up, their, uh, give up their, their dead. All of you are just going to be standing there uh, waiting your turn. Is there a name in the Lamb's book of life? No. We'll open the books. Let's judge them. Cast them in the lake of fire. Some people are going to be dying, dying for the second time. This is the second death. They just, got, they just got brought out of hell to stand before the throne, be judged again, and cast right back into the lake of fire. But when I see God, I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, you need to learn to humble yourself now, before you see God. As you're headed for some serious trouble. You're not going to tell God anything. He'll be asking the questions that day. And if you don't have the right answer, Jesus Christ is my Savior. I am washed in His blood. He died for me. His name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let him through. If you don't have that, if you are not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you, you, you don't realize. You don't know what you don't know. Those are, those are the most ignorant people you can find. When people are, are arrogant and, and, and ob, they're obnoxiously arrogant, and all it does is demonstrate that they don't have a clue what they're talking about, when, when they... When it's evident that they don't even know what it is they don't know, that's, that's really bad. And so you're going you're gonna to make a fatal mistake and stand before a fearful God. You're going to be terrified. An angry God whose son you rejected, it is not going to go well for you. We'll have a party in hell. I, we're going to have to talk about your definition of party uh, I think you're confused, uh, I, Or that word doesn't mean what you think it means. You, you're going to be begging for a drop of water on your tongue because you 're in torment. That's your idea of a party. I mean, have at it. I mean I 've seen the way some people party in Uganda, and it 's pretty obnoxious already, so they might enjoy a, a change of pace, but it's hard to enjoy when you're tormented in a flame. I noticed when that nightclub burned down in town that nobody stayed inside and partied. They got out. Why didn't they just turn the music up, kick back the drinks and and let the party go on? No, they got out and let the building burn to the ground. Well, you have a chance to get out of hell now. Don't toy with God. It's not funny. It's not a joke. It's not a game. You're not going to go tell God anything. You're going to be judged and then cast away. And it's going to be horrendous. All right. So Daniel sees the throne that Ezekiel saw. And then in verse 10, the judgment was set and the books were opened. Um, the judgment seat of Christ. All right. So, so we, we, we sort of laid this out on the board before. We'll do it one more time. Um, Just to make sense of this and let you see the timeline, kind of how it will play out. So, the judgment seat of Christ. Who will be judged at this, this judgment? Christians, me and you. All right, so God's going to judge our works. How did you, not not as some measure of salvation, but how did you live with the salvation I gave you, with the Holy Spirit I gave you, with the Bible that I gave you, with the life that I gave you? What did you do? What did you sacrifice? What labor did you put in? Did you do anything? What was the attitude? What was the spirit behind it? Was it to be noticed? Was it to be recognized? Or was it for my honor and my glory? All right, so all all that's going to be judged. And based on that judgment, you'll be given rewards or rewards will be taken from you. Amen. Everybody ready for that? Hope so. It could come anytime. Next you have. All right, now the judgment we're just talking about is going to be right here, but but we're, we're leaving that out just for a moment. All right. So so actually, this number two would be number three. But uh, just for the sake of conversation, just just follow me here. So here you have judgment of nations. All right. And so that's literally going to be nations. And it's going to be it's going to pertain to what they did or did not do for Israel. God, the, Jesus Christ is going to say, "Did you feed my brethren? Did you Did you give them shelter? Did you give them water? No. okay. well, then go over with the goats to the left hand, get out. And if you did, then you get to go with the sheep and you get to go into the kingdom. If you did not, you'll be cast into everlasting fire. Um, this is going to take place. so this is in this is after the rapture, but before the second coming. All right, so this is somewhere up in heaven. After the church has been raptured, obviously, the church needs to be there. But it's before the Lord returns. Now, when on that timeline? Uh, we've got seven years. I, I, I don't know that I can think of a passage that, that says when in that seven years it'll take place. But we'll be up in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll go through the judgment seat of Christ and uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb and all that that fun stuff. This is after the second coming. So when the Lord puts his feet down on earth and he's ready to establish his kingdom, he's going to line those nations up and he's going to judge them. If if you're on the right hand, if you're one of the sheep, you'll go into the into the kingdom. If you're not, you'll be rejected and cast into the fire. Um, judgment of nations, and then the what will be the final judgment, and we're going to talk about this one here. But the the uh, great white throne. All right. So this is after. The kingdom. All right, so Christ is going to reign for one thousand years. There'll be one last push by the devil, and then um, everything will give up their dead, and and um, and there will be a, a, a judgment. So it's bef- um, the great white throne will occur in the middle of nothing. This is just before, so that the 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 timing is just. Before the new heaven and earth. So God melts everything. I mean, everything just disappears. Just imagine that with your minds. You're standing on nothing, you're floating in the middle of space where the earth used to be, and there's a throne sitting in front of you, and you're going to be taken and judged. No, thank you. (laughs) Uh, I'll be sitting with the Lord if he allows me. All right, now. So that puts this judgment that we're talking about right here. So the principalities and powers are judged after the judgment seat of Christ. But still before the second coming. Just before the second coming. All right, so that's where that judgment would take place. The Ancient of Days will judge the principalities and the powers. Um, Let's read verses 11 and 12. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. When, when does that happen? That's, that's all the way at the end of the book of Revelation. Right? It, it's, we, we've read it several times. Uh, so that, that puts the context, uh, that, that makes the context of this... Um, right, you know, maybe even after the, the... No, it's right before the second coming. Uh, the remaining beasts are allowed to live, but their dominion is taken from them. And uh, this is a significant event because after this, Satan can no longer say the kingdoms of this world belong to him. So God the Father literally, look at verse 12, as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So they're allowed to live for a short time. And 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 they're probably part of that final battle that takes place after the millennium, after the thousand-year reign. Uh but the but you know the, the um the the dominion that they had, the prince of Persia, Prince of Grisha, um when God judges the, the king of Babylon, the king of Tyrus, he's, he's talking to Satan. That dominion is taken from them. And that, that, that dominion is taken by the Ancient of Days. God the Father, who promised Jesus Christ that he would give him dominion, right? So to follow through on the promise that he made him, he, he takes this dominion and he says, I, I, I'm going to give it to my son, which is what we read about in the very next verses. Look at um, verse 13. I saw in the, in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So before coming to earth, he first sees the Ancient of Days in, in what, what we presume is in the second heaven. So it's, you, know, you have the three heavens, Uh, You have the third, second, first. This is earth, and this is our sky. All right, so if you read Genesis 1, the first heaven uh, is the firmament above the earth where the the birds fly. All right, so that's our clouds, that's our sky that's just above us. Remember, when God formed this, he had to move the waters just to put the firmament there. There was... For some reason so much water that it that it completely filled the earth and so God had to move the waters to put the firmament there and that water went on the outside it formed this ring on the outside of the earth and then when Genesis 6 happened and the flood broke you had waters coming from outside in in, you know the heavens opened up and let the waters in and you had waters coming from the deep coming up from the deep. So you had water coming from all over to make this flood. Um, And so all that is part of the first sky. The second is what we call the universe. So they're always asking, do you think there are aliens in the universe? Well, it depends on what you mean. What's an alien? Now, are there little green creatures with odd-shaped heads and big eyes? No, not likely. But our but is something living in, in the second unit in the second heaven yeah principalities powers satan the the rulers of this of the darkness of this world they they hang out here right and so when from the third heaven where god's throne is and where those angels are they try to come down to talk to daniel they've got to go through what's hanging out in this second heaven And so I believe that's where this judgment takes place. I think God brings his throne down here and and he judges them and he takes that dominion. He strips that dominion from them. He literally takes it from them. And then there was a close battle and everybody thought God might lose. And then he suddenly won. (laughs) No, He goes down and that's it. They're judged. He takes that dominion and he strips it away from them. And then he gives it to his son. Verse 14, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. You see all the connections there? that's, That's everything God promised Jesus Christ all the way through the Bible Especially in the book of John, all those prayers in John 14, 16, and 17, when the Lord's talking to his father and he's saying, Glorify me, and and and, and all, all the stuff that God the Father promised Jesus Christ. Here is your dominion that I promised you. Here is the glory I promised you. Now go set up your kingdom. And he does. He comes back and he sets up his kingdom and there was given him dominion and glory and kingdom that all people, is that not what Philippians said would happen? Every knee, every tongue. All right. Verses five through eight. He humbled himself. He became obedient even under the death of the cross. He took on the form of a servant. He he, he became like a man. He was equal with God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he's in a body of flesh. He was made a little lower than the angels. Well, right here, all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. So he's going to come down. Now he's gone to the second heaven. Dominion has been given to him. Glory has been given to him. A kingdom has been given to him. Now he's going to come down to the the first heaven, all the way down to the earth, to the Mount of Olives. Olives. And when he sets his feet on that mountain, it's going to split. And then blood's going to start flowing. He's not coming back to give people a pep talk. He's going to slaughter his enemies and he's going to establish his kingdom and then it will last forever. He'll reign for 1,000 years, they'll let Satan loose, he'll try one more time and then you're done. Now I'm going to make a new heaven, a new earth, the the heavenly Jerusalem is going to come down and, and we'll have a wonderful time together there with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity.